Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for bringing us all out here, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, you would have your way tonight, God, that you would speak to us, that you would cause us uh, to fall deeper in love with you, Lord. That you would cause us to know you better. And God, I pray that you'd be glorified by tonight. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So some of you may be aware, uh, but for those of you who aren't, um, Zeal Young Adults is celebrating its uh, second birthday, its second year anniversary. Uh, woo, yeah, um, it was on it was on April thirtieth, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, April thirtieth, twenty twenty one, that we launched uh, Zeal Young Adults. It, we changed the name from what it was prior. It doesn't matter what it was prior. That's pointless. But we changed the name and we relaunched this Young Adults Ministry on April thirtieth, twenty twenty one. Today's April twenty eighth. You know, so in a couple of days, uh, this ministry will be two years old. So it was, it, was, it was a great night, right? I mean, for those of you that were there, I still remember that night. Uh, we had uh, hot dogs and, and pizza from Costco, of course, you know, because not only do we enjoy delicious food, we also try to keep it on a budget here at Court Church. So, yes, we had hot dogs and pizza. Of course, we had coffee. Uh, we, uh, we set up tables in the foyer with the black and yellow tablecloths because, you know, it's, those are colors. And, and uh, we ended the night with the game of trivia. How many of you guys were there? You guys remember that night we ended in trivia? That was, that was a pretty fun night. Um, a lot of you were here that day, and you're still here today, which is it's amazing. You know, it's, uh, it's encouraging, and it's amazing to see the Lord's faithfulness in your guys' lives that are, that are still here and, and your guys' faithfulness to the Lord that, you know, you guys are still coming out, and others of you, many of you, uh, you started to come in shortly after uh, our, that launch, and um, you haven't left, and that's great. It's, it's, it's still encouraging and amazing to see the faithfulness that is in you as well. Um, and like I said last week, you know, this, this, this Friday night ministry, like, this is all of our ministry. This is, all, this is all of ours. It's not, it's not my ministry. This is all of us. The Lord has placed us here to be a part of this young adult's ministry, and, and it belongs to all of us. You know, the, the Lord has me leading and pastoring and teaching over this ministry, but we are all parts of this ministry. We're all important parts of this ministry, and I take very seriously my, my commitment to this ministry, to you all. And um, with that said, I just want to throw this out there. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, um, if anybody ever needs to, like, talk, you need biblical counseling, you need just somebody to hear you out, um, we're here. We're here. And I, I am here specifically for you guys. I mean, obviously, I'm here for the whole church, but, like, I'm here for you guys. Um, you can ask, you know, many people who uh, they've made appointments with me before. It's very easy. It's very simple. It's like, hey, when can I come in? Okay, well, I got this and this and this time. Okay, I'll come at that time. Very simple. And you come and, and just... Talk. I've had people come into my office just wanting to chat, just wanting to get something off of their chest. I've had people come into my office looking for prayer and, and counsel. I've had people come into my office who are dealing with some crazy, serious, grossly immoral things. And that's fine. That's why we're here. Come in. And so I just want to make sure I let all you know in case you didn't know. Like, yes, we are here during the week. I, I, I used People will sometimes think that we're only here, like, when, we, when like, church is happening. They're like, no, no, we're, we're here, you know, Tuesday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Sundays. Some of the pastors, we alternate Sundays. And, you know, so we're here, not just when there are church services going on. And uh, so I take seriously 
my commitment to, to you all and to this, to this ministry. And I hope and pray that those of you who call this place home, that you are as committed uh, to, this, to this ministry and your participation in this ministry. And so as we recognize tonight the, the second year anniversary of this, of this young adults ministry, I wanted to take a look back. I want to take a look back of, of, uh, at what was said uh, that night when we launched this young adults ministry. The, the message that I preached two years ago was called Zeal in the Ordinary. And uh, I wanted to look back on it because, you know, though it was shared two years ago, uh, it's still timely. It's still, it's still a timely word. It's still relevant. It's, uh, it's still something that can speak to all of us, uh, mainly because the message that was preached that night was based on the word of God. And the word of God is eternal. It doesn't change. It's still something that can, that can speak. Uh, so we're going to look back on that message. We're going to remind ourselves of what we were told that night. And we're going to discover what that word has to say to us now, today, tonight. Um, because I've learned that over time, you know, things hit differently over time. You know, you, over, over time you gain, you gain knowledge, you gain wisdom, experiences accumulate in your life. And, and you, you begin to look at the word differently. Not that the word changes, but because of the things that you've gone through and the maturity that is, has, has developed in you, you interact with the word differently and you interpret it differently. It means something much more than what it used to mean. And so that's why I want to look back on it. So if you would please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I, I hope you brought your Bibles as I say frequently, if there's any place where it's safe to bring your Bible, it's at the Bible study. So I hope you brought your Bibles. If you didn't bring it, don't worry about it. We'll have some of the verses on the screens. Uh, but bring your Bible next time. You can bring it. It's fine. And uh, the title of tonight's message is Maintain Zeal in the Ordinary. Maintain Zeal in the Ordinary. And uh, the first thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into the word uh, is, is about the word zeal. I want to talk about the word zeal. Many of you know that this word, it means to have a fervor for something, uh, to have enthusiastic diligence, to have an eager desire, to have an ardent interest in pursuit of something. Basically, to be excited about something. And, and that excitement, it leads you uh, to this passionate and excited pursuit of that thing. And uh, a real-life example of zeal that we looked at two years ago was Kobe Bryant. You know, at the time, you know, he had just passed away. He had been dead for like, I don't know, like four months at that point. And we looked at his life. Uh, this man was passionate about the game of basketball. He, he loved the game of basketball. He pursued the game. When he retired from the game, he, he wrote a farewell letter to the game of basketball, expressing his love and his passion for it. And it wasn't just talk with him. You know, his, his zeal and his passion, uh, it showed in his life. His work ethic was, was second to none. It was reported that when he was in high school, he used to show up to, to school at 5 a.m. Classes don't start until 8, but he showed up to the school at 5 a.m. so that he can practice, so he can work on his game, so he can dribble, he can take shots until classes started. He would also play one-on-one -on -one against his teammates, you know, and he wouldn't play to 11. They wouldn't play to 21. It's reported that they would play games up to 100. Like, what? That's crazy. 
when he was 18 and new to the Lakers, he would be in the gym uh, hours before practice even started, hours before practice started, and he'd be, he'd be practicing his shots, he'd be practicing his dribbling in the dark because no one had yet arrived to turn on the lights, but he was dedicated. Uh, it's, it's said that when he was playing in the Olympics for Team USA, while all the other, the, the other athletes, while they were waking up and, and, and heading to the, to the team breakfast, uh, he was already awake. He had already been awake for, for three hours, drenched in sweat, ice on his knees because he'd been practicing. He'd been working on his game. Uh, a trainer said that uh, he would wake up at four in the morning and he wouldn't stop practicing until he made 800 shots. He, he, okay, that's crazy. The man clearly had a zeal for the game and it showed in his pursuit and, and, and the work that he put in for it. And no doubt there, there, there are countless more stories like these where his zeal for the game was evident. But when we think about people like Kobe or any other athlete, any artist, any, any great performer, you know, we tend to think of these people in terms of highlights, you know, big moments, amazing instances of triumph, game-winning shots, championship titles, amazing, incredible performances. That's what we think of. Yet we rarely, if ever think or see the boring days leading up to those great events, the, the in-between days and months and years that have no highlight reel. You know, that massive amount of time and work that someone like Kobe was putting in between championships and amazing moments. We don't see the ordinary days when these people are just, you know, doing their laundry or taking their car to get an oil change, changing their kid's diaper uh, having an argument with their spouse. You know, we don't, we don't see these ordinary days, and, and do we really want to? You know, I don't, don't really care for that. But here's the thing. These, these ordinary days and ordinary moments are what make up the majority of our lives. That's what makes up the majority of our lives. Our lives, they're not filled with game-winning shots. They're not filled with amazing performances. Our lives are not... Instagram, where only the highlights are, are shown, and, and even then, those highlights are just curated and, and doctored and dressed up to make it look like it's even greater than it actually was. Our lives, for the most part, are just regular days. Just regular days. They're ordinary days. They're even mundane and boring. And we don't even give these moments in our lives a second thought. Why would we? There's no audience. There's no recognition of what's going on in that moment. There are no people surrounding you, cheering you on as, as you walk into your living room to discover a huge puddle of water in the living room, it, so huge that it looks like a pipe must have burst, but you're looking around, looking for that burst pipe, and you don't see the burst pipe, but what you do see is your three-year-old who was recently potty trained, and then you come to the realization like, oh, that's not water. That came out of his body. How is it possible that all of that liquid came out of that little bladder? He's not even that big. You know, the day in the life of a stay-at-home mom. Uh, but there's no one cheering you on as, as you're cleaning up all of that pee, you know? And so as a result, in, in, in these non-publicized, non-recognized moments of in our lives, there's no zeal. We don't have any zeal. And so... With all of that as a backdrop, uh, let's begin to read our verses for tonight. So let's get into Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We'll start off with. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, 
in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And so in these verses and in the ones to come, we have, we have Paul, and he's encouraging uh, the believers to live well. He's encouraging the believers to live for Christ. And in these opening verses of chapter 12, he provides us with the motivation to do that. You know, why should we do this? Why should we even bother living well? Why should we bother living for Christ? Well, according to verse 1, it's because of the mercy that God has shown us by sending his son to die for us on the cross. Paul writes, in view of the mercies of God, keeping God's mercy in mind, in light of God's mercy for us. This is the motivation, God's mercy. And in light of God's mercy, Paul is urging us to give our lives to God. Give your life to God and to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, to be changed by God and to submit to him. God has done an amazing thing for us in removing our guilt and the punishment from us. We are all deserving to be punished by God for our sins. There's not a single person in this room who is good enough for God, good enough for heaven, not a single one of us. No matter how many comparisons you make to other people, you can always find somebody who is far worse than you. It's very easy, especially in LA. But at the end of the day, we will all stand alone in front of God And we are going to be judged based on our sins against him. There will be no comparisons on that day. We will only be compared to God. His standard is perfect. We fall short. We don't meet his standard. But in his mercy and in his kindness and in his love, he chose to punish his one and only son instead of punishing us. Why? Because we had no hope. We had no hope of being forgiven. And God wants to forgive us. God wants to forgive us. He wants us to be with him. He wants us to have eternal life. He actually loves us. He actually loves you. He actually loves you. And he proved his love for you in dying for you on that cross while you were a sinner. While you were deserving of wrath, he died for you. And he provided a way for you to avoid his wrath. This is the great mercy of God. And in light of this mercy, in light of this mercy, offer up yourself to God as a sacrifice. Give him your entire life. This is how you truly worship him. This is how God is truly worshiped. Submit to his standards. Have your mind changed about what this life means and what it means to be good. Transform the way that you view the world. See things from God's perfect lens and be changed. Do this because of his mercy that was shown to you. You do this because his mercy that was shown to you. And when you do this, you'll have an amazing benefit. What's the benefit? Well, if we look at the end of verse 2, it says, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So that you can know and fulfill God's will in your life. 
So in light of his mercy, we should give our whole life to him, be changed and transformed by him. Then we can know him and we can know his will and what comes next. Well, let's continue reading. Romans chapter 12, verses three through eight. It says, for the grace, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving, with generosity. Leading, with diligence. Showing mercy, with cheerfulness. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list of what comes next, but here in these verses, Paul is telling us to be humble. He's telling us to be humble. Don't think of yourself more highly than you should be thinking about yourself. Just because you have a certain gifting or a certain amount of of knowledge or a certain ability that other people don't have, it doesn't mean that you are greater or better or higher than anybody in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, what do you have that you didn't receive? Nothing, right? We've received everything from God. What do you have that you have not received? Well, if you have received it, then why do you act and boast as if you have not received it? Everything we have is from God. Everything. So we need to remain humble. And according to these verses in Romans 12, the context of these verses, we need to stay humble within the body of Christ. Within the body of Christ. We need to understand that we are, as believers, we are a part of the body of Christ. And that we all have something that we have been recreated to do in the body of Christ. Humbly. In humility. There's a real danger of becoming proud when you have a gift from God, especially if it's something that's, that's viewed, when people are observing this gift being exercised, when, when, when this gift puts you in the spotlight. I remember before uh, me and Vrenny got married, we visited another church in L.A., and it was a big church. There's a lot of people. It was like they, they, they held their services in a school. They had this huge auditorium, humongous auditorium. And so, you know, we're just, we're in there, and... As, as churches usually do, they started with worship, right? And so, but what they did was crazy, crazy in a good way. What they did is, you know, the band was up on the stage, but they dimmed the lights up there. So you couldn't see anybody. You saw like silhouettes, you saw shadows of silhouettes, but you didn't see them. You saw a silhouette of a guitar. Was that a guitar? Is that a bass? I don't know. Well, you look how they're playing, but all I see is a silhouette. But it was amazing because now you're not focused on the band you're not focused on, oh, look, he can really play those drums. You're just, you can't, you can't see them. All, all you're thinking about at that point is Jesus and singing songs of praise and worship to him. And I was actually thinking about it last week. I forget who I was talking to. I was like, oh, well, maybe we should do that. You know, what do you guys think? Should we do that here? Alejandro, what do you, what do you think? Oh, oh, damn, Paul said yes. He, he's, he is actually the worship leader of the church. So, all right, we're going to dim the lights from this point on. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. All right, cool. <laughs> but I thought, it was, I thought that was so cool. You know, some people thought it was like kind of lame or cheesy, but like I thought that was really cool, especially because, dude, there's a danger of, of, of getting puffed up and, and getting proud because you're up there, you have a talent, you have a talent that people want. Like, man, you can sing, 
I wish I could sing. Man, if, dude, look, if I could sing, I would never talk again. Like, if, if I had, like, if I had, like, Danny's voice, I, dude, I, I'd be going to the store, like, going to McDonald's at the drive-thru, like, can I have, you know, like, it's just, I would not ever talk in a normal voice ever again. I would just be singing all the time. Um, but anyway, you know, the, the church did this thing, I'm sure, in order to keep people humble so that they wouldn't get puffed up. They would remain humble. Now, what, what keeps me humble when I'm, when I'm up here is the fact that I know how awful I can be apart from Jesus Christ. I am very aware of how awful I am apart from Jesus. I have a wife who reminds me of that. Not that like she's like, hey, you're awful. No, but like when, when I do things that are awful and I see the hurt in her eyes, that is such a heavy reminder of how awful I am apart from Jesus. That keeps me humble. I know everything good that comes from me. It comes from Jesus. And also, James 3.1, it says, hey, let not many of you become teachers. Why? Because those of you who become teachers are going to incur a stricter judgment. That's scary. That is scary. I can't be up here giving my opinions. I can't be up here being liberal with the word of God and liberal with my interpretations, being careless with the word of God. I can't be careless with, with the activities of my life either. I can't. There is a stricter judgment coming for me than is coming for you. That's scary and that's humbling. But we all have different gifts. We all have different gifts according to, to God's grace and we are to exercise them in humility. So in light of God's mercy for us, we should offer up our entire life to him as a form of true worship. And in this offering, we are to be transformed in our thinking, which will inevitably lead to a transformed behaviors. And in this offering of ourselves and in this transformation of ourselves, we will know what the will of God is. We will know the will of God. And part of that will includes humbly being a part of the body, serving the body in humility and understanding that our giftings are from God. And then Paul gives us some practical tips to keep in mind as we interact with the body of Christ. Let's continue reading Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, outdo one another in showing honor. Man, those are beautiful reminders. Those are beautiful reminders of how we ought to interact with the body of Christ, with each other. Let, let love be without hypocrisy. Lo love genuinely and love sincerely. This is the agape love of God. This is the agape love of God that, that he showed to us sinners in dying for us and sending his son to die for us. God's love was not hypocritical. God's love, it was not a show. As I said earlier, he proved his love to us. He demonstrated his love to us. He, his love was visible. Let love be without hypocrisy. Then he says, let us also detest evil. Rather, let us cling to what is good. Have a deep, deep hatred for evil and the evil that may be present in each other. Like, don't, don't hate each other. Hate the evil 
that is present in each other. Hate the evil that we see in each other. Hate the evil that we see outside in the world. There's a lot of evil stuff going on outside in the world. We need to hate that. But hate it to the point that when we see our brothers and our sisters getting involved in sinful activities, when we see the world getting involved in sinful and evil activities, that we're not going to hate them. We're going to have compassion for them, understanding where their destination is going to be if they don't repent, if they don't have Jesus. Let us hate evil in that way. And then let us cling to what is good. Let us cling at all costs to what is good. To glue ourselves to what is good is what that word means. To, to concrete ourselves to what is good. To, to stay near to what is good. The word says that bad company corrupts good morals. It's true. Stay away from evil, hate evil, and cling to what is good. And then Paul reemphasizes love once again. He says to love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. A deep love, a real love for each other. Paul already set the standard that our love is to be without hypocrisy. And that, that applies to our love for one another. It's to be without hypocrisy. Don't pretend to have love for your brothers and sisters. Don't pretend to have love for your brothers and sisters when you're around everybody. But when you're alone and when you're the real you and you don't have any restrictions on who you actually are, you don't really have that true, godly, brotherly love for your brothers and sisters. Who are you in secret in regards to your love for your brothers and sisters? Actually love each other deeply. Actually love each other deeply. Don't be a fraud. Don't be like, oh, I love you so much, sis, but really you're just like, I can't stand that girl. She's so annoying. And you do. Don't be like, hey, man, hey, bro, I love you, man. I love you. Hey. But then really you're just like, man, forget that dude. Dude's lame. Dude is lame. See his shoes? Don't be like that. Don't look at my shoes. Love one another deeply. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. And then Paul says to outdo, outdo one another in showing honor. And it's also translated, take the lead in honoring one another. Honor each other, yes, but take it further. Take the lead on it. Take the lead. Take the lead in honoring your brothers and sisters. Lead the way in showing honor you need to outdo each other. Don't wait for someone to show you respect and to express to you that you're valuable uh, before you return that gesture. Uh, you be the one to do it first. You lead the way. Appreciate your brothers and sisters. Show honor to them by showing them that, that you value them, that you respect them, that you esteem them higher than yourself. And I would also add to that, be an honorable person. Be an honorable person. Be somebody who is worthy of honor. All throughout the scriptures, we, we are called to be a certain type of person. If you read your Bible, we are called as believers to be a certain kind of person. We are to work. We are to strive for holiness. We are to be servants. We are to show kindness and love. We are to speak the truth in love, not in bluntness, in love. We are, we are called to be a sanctified people this salvation that we have been given, it's a free gift by grace through faith. It's free. But after you receive that free gift, hey, it's time to get to work. We are called to be a specific type of people. We are, and we are to show honor to one another. We are to show honor to one another. We are to lead the way 
and showing honor to one another, but we are also to be honorable. We, we are to be honorable. And at the same time, we don't show ourselves to be honorable so that we can receive recognition from other people. That's not why you do it. We, 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 are, we, we strive to be honorable people out of a love and obedience to the Lord because there will come a day, there will come a day when you will be standing face to face with your Savior and he will look you in your eyes and he will say, well done, good and faithful slave. Slave, well done, good and faithful slave. Enter into the joy of your master. One day you will hear those words. And at the end of the day, man, that's all the recognition that we need. That is all the recognition that we need. That, that's it. To be recognized and acknowledged by our Lord and Savior, the one who died for us. But it's still nice to be shown honor by your family, by your family members, by your brothers and sisters. So that's why Paul is telling us, hey, take the lead in showing honor to one another. But don't depend on it. So we have been told to give our lives to God as a sacrifice. Give our lives to God as a sacrifice because of his great mercy that he has shown for us in saving us. And, and in that, and in that we, we are to transform our ways of thinking, transforms our way, transform our ways of behaving, because when we do that, we will be more in tune with him and, and we can know what his good and pleasing and perfect will is. Included in that will is to be self-aware as we interact with the body of Christ and we are to serve the body of Christ in humility in whatever way the Lord has gifted us. And we are also to be loving and holy and more loving and, and appreciative and honor each other as we interact with each other. And so now this leads us to the verse that is the theme of this young adults group here. Let's read Romans 12, 11. It says, do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit, serve the Lord. If you are here a few weeks ago, we went over this verse a little bit. But do not lack diligence and zeal. Do not lack steady, earnest, energetic effort and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Be, be passionately intense in the spirit of God. The spirit of God that lives inside of you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. In that spirit, be passionately intense with that spirit. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Do work for God. Do work for God's kingdom. Do work in God's house, the local body of believers that you are a part of. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. This is the walk with Christ. This is what it means to walk with Christ. Maybe, I might be biased, but if someone were to come up to me and say, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Or what does, what does following Jesus look like? I'll probably say to them, well, do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit and serve the Lord. That, that's, that's what the walk of Jesus looks like if you're doing it right. And you do this. You do this. You do Romans 12, 11, not only when it's game time, not only when it's game time, not only when everyone is, is watching and applauding, not only when the cameras are rolling, not only on your Instagram stories, you know, not, not only when it could potentially end up on a highlight reel, but have zeal, be fervent in the spirit, and serve the Lord all the time, all the time, even in the ordinary moments of life, because God in these ordinary moments of life is preparing us. He is preparing all of us in these ordinary moments of life. Warren Wiersbe once said, 
It's, 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 it is our regular worship that prepares us for the crisis experiences of life, meaning that our daily moments of worship to the Lord, our day in and day out walk with the Lord is what prepares us for the moments when life comes at us fast, when life hits us over the head. Kobe Bryant, he was able to perform at the level that he performed at because when game time came around, that wasn't the first time that he held a basketball. He put in the work every single day when the cameras were off and when no one was watching. And I would extend Warren Wiersbe's quote to include that the ordinary moments of our walk, they prepare us not just for the crisis experiences of life, but for all of the things that God intends for us and what he intends to do in our lives. So we can have zeal in the ordinary moments because we can't have the highlights without the ordinary moments. So in these ordinary moments, we can have zeal. There are no amazing, victorious moments without the boring day-to-day moments of life. When Abraham and Sarah, when they were told that they were gonna have a baby in their super old age, what were they doing? They were just chilling at home, trying to stay cool in the desert. Says Abraham was just fanning himself outside of his tent. When Mary was told that she was gonna become pregnant with the Messiah Savior of the world, she was just a young girl who was engaged to be married waiting for her wedding day to come. Just before Stephen was martyred for his faith, before he became the first martyr, the first person to be killed for his faith in Jesus Christ, what was he doing? He was serving food to widows in his local church. When Paul chose to take young Timothy along with him on his missionary journey, which would eventually lead to Timothy staying in Ephesus to be the, the, the pastor over the church in Ephesus, what was Timothy doing? He was just, he was just a normal kid, a normal young man. He had a good reputation in his community. God has good and pleasing and perfect things for us. He has a, a good and pleasing and perfect will for all of us, even if it doesn't seem like it right now even if you don't feel like that's what it is right now. God has something in store for you. And and I hope by this point, for those of you who have been with us, I hope by this point you all understand that this, this thing that God has in store for you, it has nothing to do with riches, with fame, or with worldly success, or with any of these other worthless standards that we apply to, to God's will in our lives, you know, the abundant life, the misinterpretation of that scripture. With or without these things, God's will is good, God's will is pleasing, and God's will is perfect. And that's what's in store for you. That's what's in store for all of us, even if it seems like it's the opposite right now. But that's the point. That's the point. And that's why I'm reminding us all tonight on this two-year anniversary of Zeal Young Adults that we need to have zeal in the ordinary moments of life these moments where it doesn't even seem like God is moving. It doesn't seem like God is even working in our lives because all of these ordinary moments, they are a preparation for for game time. They are a preparation for that day when that day comes. Moments of preparation for when God puts us in the place when, when we are to shine for him brightly. Moments of preparation for when God allows major major hardships, and major suffering to enter into our lives, to hit us and to rock our world. As I said two years ago, you can't fathom 
what God has planned for you in the coming years right now. You can't fathom. You have no idea. But I know that something is planned. Something is in the works. So be zealous even in these ordinary moments. These ordinary moments of life that may seem boring and unimportant and mundane. My wife and I, we've been through quite a few things in our time together. You know, we have, we have two kids. We have one on the way. We've experienced, okay, all right, yeah. 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 More money. Uh, <laughs> less food for me. Um, but yeah, we have two kids, one on the way. Uh, we've experienced the loss of a baby in the 36th week of pregnancy. You know, we've gone through the death of a parent, my mom. We've gone through a couple of parents uh, battling with cancer. We've juggled work, family, and school. We've dealt with moving from apartment to apartment to apartment. We've taken a leap of faith in leaving a secure job with the law enforcement agency in order to, to, to do ministry full time. The list is endless. We've had countless adventures in our time together. And it all started one night in February of 2011 when I took the first leap of faith in confessing to my friend and my sister in the Lord that, hey, I'm starting to develop feelings for you. And that night we would decide that we were going to prayerfully enter into this new phase of our friendship where we would be seeking the Lord's guidance and wisdom as to whether or not we were supposed to get married and spend the rest of our lives together. But I imagine that if an angel would have appeared to us that night when, when, when we were having that conversation of me telling her that I, I have feelings for her and I want to see if this is what the Lord has for us, if an angel would have appeared to us in that very moment and that angel would have told us what would come of our lives in the coming years, try to think, like, what would my reaction have been? What would her reaction have been? I probably would have been like, no, please say it isn't so, because it wasn't only good things that were going to be happening in our lives together. There's also going to be really tragic, traumatic things happening in our life together. That night that my wife and I had that conversation, it was an ordinary night. It was just an ordinary night. You know, we were just living our lives, having an ordinary night. It was after the Friday night young adults service, much like this. We, were, we went to a pho restaurant with, with, our, with our friends it was just a regular night. And the whole time, we were unaware of the things that God was going to have us go through together for our good and for his glory. And when I say for our good, I, I just I feel like it has to be clear because there's a lot of clowns out there. For your good does not mean that it's going to be a pleasurable experience. Sometimes bad things happen to you, but it's still for your good and for his glory. But we had no idea. We had no idea. But God did. And God had something planned. He already knew what was going to take place in our lives. But we obviously had no idea. We were just having an ordinary moment of our lives, eating pho in the booth. And the guy's like mopping, trying to get us out of there. He's mopping her feet. And I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> but I mention these things. I mention these things because I really want to encourage you all to have zeal in these ordinary moments of life because it's, it's in these ordinary moments, it's these ordinary moments where God is preparing you for the glorious things that he has planned for you. It's in these ordinary moments that even though you don't feel it, God is still working. 
God is still working. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit and serve the Lord. A, f- a few years from now, you're going to look back on, on, on all the random, boring, mundane, ordinary moments of your life, and you're going to realize that God has always been there. You're going to realize that God has always been working in your life. He's always been moving pieces in the background, even when you were unaware of it. And these were the, these were the same words that I spoke two years ago at our launch night for the Zeal Young Adults Ministry. And as I said at the beginning, many of you were here that night. Others of you, you were here not long after that night, and you've continued to be with us. What has happened since then? If you look back on the past two years, what has happened since that night when these words were said from this very spot? What thing has God orchestrated in the background? What thing was God orchestrating in the background at that time? that you now realize, like, oh, that's what he was doing. Oh, man, that's crazy. And I'm not just going to ask rhetorically. I'm going to ask some of y'all to come up here. So, James, why don't you come up here? And for those of you who know, get ready. Stretch your legs because you're going to come up here too. So, James, I'm not asking you to preach a whole sermon, but... You look back on the past two years, what, what things, like Pastor Steve, um, oh, my knees, what things, are, can you look back now over the past two years that if, if an angel would have appeared to you that night at the, at the launch night, you'd have been like, what? What? Hmm. Um, first of all, that I'd be a leader, I guess. Um, I showed up to Zeal kind of just wanting to volunteer and help out as we did on the lunch night. So that's a big one, um, that I would read the Bible in the amount of time that I did and that I would just grow more zealous for the Lord and serve him in this ministry, even, you know, helping out on Thursdays. Um, Honestly, like everything has taken place with school, with blessings in my life, with relationship, it's all come from just being at the Lord's feet, not wanting anything that pulls me away from the Lord, and that's just come from um, being in this ministry and learning how much the Lord can bless you. And I don't mean that in a way that it's like, yes, if you come to the Lord, he's going to give you everything you ever want to know. It's seeing that apart from the Lord, everything is meaningless. It's um, Ecclesiastes has a great way of saying it, but in those moments where you are just with the Lord, even when you don't want to be. It prepares you, as Pastor Abel was saying, for those difficult times. And I've had a lot of those throughout my life, honestly, in these past two years. But they've been kind of just uh, not so stressful. And that may sound ridiculous. It's like, what? Life is difficult. It can get hard. And it is true. But honestly, with God right there, you're not going through anything alone. It, it makes it bearable, and he just helps refine you throughout those moments and really helps prune you and help you to become that person that he has created you to be. There you go. Alicia, get up here. So if, if on, on our launch night, if an angel would have appeared to you and said, hey, this is going to happen in the next two years, what would you be like, what? Uh, well, I work here now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, 
I honestly, like, two years ago, you know, if, if there's a time where there's anyone that's in here that's like, you're a Christian, you think everything's just kind of like you're good, you know, you're, you're in the Lord, and, like, you have your ups and downs, but everything's good, that's kind of where I was. Um, and I did not expect the next two years to be what it was uh, with how much I've been able to be fed and grow, and um, just being here more has been a blessing for sure. And uh, the Lord orchestrating my role here has, like... Honestly, I, some of you know I've given you a short testimony, but it's just truly all the Lord, and I never saw it coming. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, there's there's been a lot of uh, internal good and bad. You know, you have conversations with yourself, and there's a, there's been a lot of, um, like, asking the Lord, okay, well, why did I have to go through this, and why did I have to go through that? And at the time, I didn't think much of it, but it's really allowed me to be, I think, a better leader and a better server in different areas and with different people. So, it's been a blessing, but I totally, 100%, never, ever, ever would have expected to be, like, where I am at my life. So, yeah. <laughs> Caleb, get over here. So, Caleb, you were here that night. You heard, you heard a similar message. If an angel would have appeared to you that night and said, hey, this is what the next two years of your life are gonna, is going to look like, what would you have thought? Um, well, for me, it's like the last four years have been really bad. I know, but it's four. It's, I've had four really bad years. And so Zeal met me halfway through. Um, at that point in time, my mom had just finished battling two bouts of cancer, and I was just, like, not knowing where to stand and where to found, find, like, my rock, you know? Um, and uh, then Zeal started, and then I started a new job, my dream job, and so it kind of went from there. Amazing. Uh, Kelly, where you at, Kelly? I'm going to get you more screen time. So, Kelly, that night you were obviously there because you were a leader at the time. If an angel would have appeared to you that night and told you what was going to be of your life the next two years, what, how would you have been blown away? Um, there's, I've just seen uh, true friendships uh, form in this ministry. Uh, friendships that, like just genuine friendships. Um, we've you know, gone to trips together, and I would have been like, no way. Like, my little nephew's six years old, and he has this, he always says, no way. That I would have been my response. Um, and I think also um, our leaders, like, I feel like we kind of, um, be, we became zealous again. We were, you know, really going through a rough patch, and we're all excited. We're, we're Most of us, we're, actually all of us are still here. So praise God for that. And, yeah, that, that's what I would have said. <laughs> Leone, get over here, man. So, Leone, I'll repeat the question. You were here that night. If an angel would have appeared to you that night as you were sitting there, what, would he, what, 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 what did this angel tell you about the next two years of your life, what they were going to look like, and, and, and what would have you been like, what, seriously, that's going to happen? Yeah, I actually don't even remember being there that night. I could have swore I've been, I mean, I've been coming to court church for, a little over two years now, and Zeal for a year and a half. And thanks to this guy, he's brought me here. Um, he was very persistent, and he was very just, you know, eager to wanting me to come to Zeal. You know, when I first started coming here, you know, I was very reserved, you know, to myself. And I sat in the back, and ironically, I'm sitting in the back right now, so. You know, they're, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I sat in the back, and um, he approached me and, you know, asked me to come here on Friday nights, and, you know, I thought about it, and I thought about it, 
and I left them hanging multiple times. Sorry, Pastor. <laughs> but, yeah, and eventually um, I was just like, man, like, what do I have to lose? Like, I'm already here. I live five minutes away. You know, this is the first and only church I've ever known in my life. So, um, you know, I stepped up to the plate, and I came here, zeal. And uh, first time coming here, you know, everyone was so welcoming. Um, someone by the name of Hudson, um, he doesn't come here anymore. I think he lives in um, Washington. But he approached me, and I was the first person who approached me. And, um, yeah, and then from there, like, everyone was just so welcoming and so encouraging. And um, I just, I don't know, I fell in love with, you know, Court Church as a whole. And, um, yeah, that was all she wrote. And pretty much, you know, I've gained like a new perspective in life, you know, I'm, I'm more like bold in my faith, you know, I'm, I'm more eager to speak out, you know, to the Lord, you know, with my gym buddies, like anyone in general, like, man, if they want to hear it, if they don't want to hear it, I'm always in their face talking about God, because that's the most important thing in this earth, you know, in this world, and um, yeah, I can go on and on and on, but those are the most important things that I've gotten out of, you know, zeal and core church, just being bold and being courageous and just speaking out, you know, speak out with your faith, you know. God's watching, and your riches will be stored in heaven, so don't forget that. Come on with that fire. Man. Uh, let's see, who else, who else did I? Uh, Juliana, get over here. Juliana wasn't here at the launch night, but she started coming shortly after. So if, if, if that first night that you showed up, and an angel would have appeared in front of you and would have said, hey, this is what's going to happen over the next couple of years, what would, what would that angel have said that would have made you be like, no, no way? Um... So if an angel said that all of these things would happen these next few years, I would have left before I even entered this church because I would have been like, no way, like, no, thank you. Like, my heathen heart would have been like, nah, I'm good, and, like, walked away. But um, my heart was really hardened, and so praise God that I was able to come, and I heard the true gospel. And the first day that I came to Zeal was uh, July 16th, and um, that's the night that I gave my life to Christ after hearing the gospel. Um, and so what surprised me the most was how much my heart changed. Like, he physically softened my heart after, the, after I myself and the world had, like, hardened it. Um, so just the amount of uh, change uh, I had in my life of uh, my previous, like, my heathen ways, uh, my, I was slapped around with a lot of conviction um, after the Lord uh, yeah, after I gave my life to Christ, and um, the uh, repentance of it comes with the, the gospel, is, uh, comes from a Greek word of metanoia, and uh, it's basically just a changing of one's life, and so that's basically what happened to me, the conviction that was slapped with me, like, just like, even if, like, you would have told me that, like, that same week, I would have stopped listening to heathen music altogether, like, I would have been like, you're crazy, just like so many things that had happened, um, that um, the Lord convicted me of just forgiving certain people and doing X, Y, and Z in my life, I would have never believed you, even, um, even just like the just right before you, I entered the church. So I am very thankful for for zeal uh, for having this uh, fellowship and uh, sharpening uh, iron sharpens iron, and just the fellowship that I've been able to have with all of you. Um, I have a best friend now. I've never had a best friend in my life. So. <laughs> That's all because of zeal, and uh, that's Jesus, by the way. Jesus. Also you guys, too, but like Jesus. <laughs> I love him. Somebody was like, oh, is it me? <laughs> but yeah, thank you. <laughs> Somebody got their heart broken. Uh, Janice, get over here. 
She's, she has to take a long walk. So let me, I'll just repeat the question again, just in case you didn't hear it. If that, because Janice was here that night, that was your first night here, right? Yeah, so the first night, her first night here was our, our launch night of Zeal. So if an angel would have appeared to you that night and said, hey, Janice, this is what's going to happen over the next couple of years in your life, what would that angel have said that you would have been like, nah, no, no? Uh, well, first of all, I've definitely prayed to be a part of a young adult ministry. So I remember Pastor Abel coming up here and saying, come out to Zeal, it's the relaunch. And I was like, that's for me. Like the Lord heard my prayer. And I would have never came out to something like that alone because I'm typically shy and reserved. So I was like, Lord, you're just going to have to be with me. You're going to have to go before me. And uh, I remember Pastor Abel being the first one to greet me. And he's like, hey, you're new. And I was like, wait to point me out. And he pointed me to Emma, actually. And Lily was here, but she's not here anymore. Um, so it, just the community was so great. And I remember the trivia, too. Um, so <laughs> answering the question, I would have not expected the Lord to take me where he has taken me and the growth that he has allowed me um, to have and just how much he's just watered me. Um, has just been beautiful. Um, I've been part of a lot of things now that I'm so grateful for, um, serving in coffee and a bunch of other things and serving in kids. Um, he has definitely molded my heart to be more like Christ, and I'm super grateful for it, and I'm super honored and blessed. Yeah. Right on. I was also going to ask Genesis, but she's on camera. I didn't realize she was going to be on camera. Okay, yeah, come on down, Genesis. Let's go. So Genesis, you weren't here that night but you came shortly after. So if an angel would have appeared to you that night, your first night here, and would have told you this is what's gonna happen over the next couple of years, what would he have said that you'd have been like, no way? Man, it's just so, I'm just so grateful because even at that time when I came to Zio, I, I was just so broken. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I, I thought I knew the Lord, but I was like, I was living a lifestyle that I didn't, you know, that wasn't actually with Christ. And once I came here, I remember um, just hearing the word, like the true gospel, and just like giving my life to him and just fully knowing what that's like, having that relationship. But, man, it wasn't easy. <laughs> it wasn't an easy walk for sure. I, you know, was still like one step in, one step out. And um, it wasn't until like that year to like, towards the end of that year where I just hit rock bottom and just like fully surrender everything to the Lord. And um, I was just praying. I'm like, Lord, I just want to get to know you more. Um, I just want to have like a relationship with you and just fully know what that's like. Um, and just even hearing like that sermon, I remember it was someone, you preached um, someone and you did it like not too long ago, actually. I was like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Cause I was like even praying to the Lord. I was like, Lord, take me back to where we met. And it's like crazy. And it's just like you prayed about, that. anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just like talking. <laughs> anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was even talking to the Lord about this. I'm like, Lord, what am I gonna say? Like, should I just go up there? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's okay. But, um, yeah, and then just even hearing that and um, just being um, planted in, you know, the streams of water, just meditating on his word, like, day and night, and just really becoming um, like Christ. And even that, like, when I was, once I committed and just surrendered everything, um, I just knew what that was like, having that relationship. And um, he showed me what love was, and he gave you know, I have a best friend and a father and a provider and just so much more. And 
everything that I had to go through, it's just all for his glory and, um, you know, like my present, like sufferings, it's nothing compares to um, what the glory is going to reveal, like his glory. It's his face in Romans, I believe. <laughs> but um, I, again, I'm so grateful for the relationships my, that, I, that the Lord has given me with sisters and the brothers and uh, just even serving him too is just a blessing to serve others, to serve the body. So, yeah. <laughs> right on. Thank you. No, it's, no, it's good. And that, I, I wasn't planning that for it to be like an ad for zeal or anything like that. It was just, I just, and, and there are so many others of you that I didn't, I didn't get a chance to ask you. There are many of you who have been here for, for, for a long time, but all of you have something that you can say like, no, man, if, if this, if an angel would have told me that in the, in the coming years that, Oh, just you know that I'm going to be serving in the kids ministry, or that I'm going to be serving in the women's ministry, or that I'm going to be bolder in my faith. That I'm actually going to want to read my Bible. I wouldn't have believed the, that angel when they said that. But I wanted all these people to come up. He's like, look, two years ago they weren't thinking about these things. They weren't thinking that these things were going to be possible in their lives. They were just at a Friday night young adults group. Oh, they're having a relaunch. Oh, the pizza was all right. You know, that, that's all that they were thinking. But God was working on something the whole time. God has something for you, and he has, he has things for you to experience. Some of them are hard. Some of them are incredibly joyous. But don't take these ordinary moments for granted. Don't take these ordinary moments for granted. Be excited in these ordinary days because you know God is, is he's doing something. He's going to do something in your life at some point. You just don't know when. You don't know when, but he's going to do something. Something is going to happen in your life. A change is going to happen in your life. So be excited. Be excited. Be zealous in the ordinary now, uh, knowing that the highlights of your life are coming. They are forthcoming. Use these ordinary moments in your lives to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Grow. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Get, Get together with the body of Christ. Fellowship with your brothers and sisters and serve. Serve God. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. And, 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 and he wants to use you in an amazing way. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, I'm going to win the lotto. No. Some, some, some hurt might be coming for you. But he wants to show you his glory in that. He wants to do it for his glory. So not only for those of you who this is your first time hearing this, have zeal in the ordinary. But for those of you who this is your second time hearing this, maintain that zeal in the ordinary. Maintain it. Don't lose it. Maintain that zeal in the ordinary. And so if there's anybody in here, we always throw out the invitation. It'll be quick because we ran a little late. But if there's anybody in here, I don't know everybody, but if there's anybody in here who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have a saving faith in Jesus Christ, well, you need to have that saving faith in Jesus Christ because you you are a sinner. You are covered in sin. Your entire life is stained by sin. There's no amount of good things, good deeds that you can do that will cover over these sins in your life. And you're going to stand before God and he's going to punish you for your sins. He's going to eternally banish you away from his presence forever. But he doesn't want to do that. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He so loved you that he sent his son to die on the cross for you, to take the punishment for your sins so that you don't have to perish, so you can have eternal life if you would just believe in that sacrifice that he made. And he did it because of love. let, let Let me emphasize that he did it because of love, of love, of love. 
He demonstrated his love for you. He proved his love for you. He has nothing to prove to you, but he proved his love for you in dying for you on the cross. So if there's anybody in here who who has never received that salvation, or if there's somebody in here who thought they knew that salvation, but they're realizing, "Mm, I'm not living the way I'm supposed to be living, which is probably evidence that I don't really have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to be prayed for. Because repeating a prayer doesn't save you. Coming up at an altar call does not save you. Going to church every week does not save you. The only thing that saves you is faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you on that cross. So if there's anybody who would like to receive that gift who has not yet received that gift, raise your hand so that I can pray for you. I just want to pray for you. So if there's anybody, and I will give you a few seconds, but if there's nobody, that's fine. I'll give you a few seconds. Boom. Yep. There it is. Is there anybody else? Okay. Remind me your name, sis. Sonia? Okay. Let's pray for Sonia. Father, I just thank you so much for Sonia. Lord, I thank you that she's here, and I thank you that she had the opportunity to hear your gospel. God, I pray that you would, in this moment, in this moment of faith, God, where she is, is professing and expressing faith in Jesus Christ, God, I pray that you would save her because of that faith. And because of this faith that she is professing, God, I pray that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit. God, your word says that when we believe in Jesus, that you give us a new heart and you, you, you put your spirit inside of us, Lord. And so, Sonia is professing that she believes in Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give her a new heart, that you would remove her heart of stone and that you would give her a heart of flesh and that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit so that she can now, from this point forward, live a life that is pleasing to you, a life that is in obedience to you, and a life that is born again. And God, I pray for all of us uh, here, Lord, who, you know, I just, I just thank you. And I pray, God, that you would uh, help us all to have a greater zeal in our lives, to, 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 to follow after you so, so, uh, so passionately, Lord. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And Sonia, I just, you can leave the lights out, but I just want to, first for Sonia and for anybody else who may not know, throughout the New Testament, when people profess faith in Jesus Christ, there are expectations of them. Now, for salvation, there is no expectation. All, the only expectation is to believe in this message and to believe in the gospel. That's all that it takes for salvation, for you to be right with God and for you to be acceptable to God and for you to know that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. All that takes is faith in Jesus. But after that free gift, after that free gift, Sonia, and for those of you who may not know, there is an expectation of repentance. Now, what that means is, like Juliana was expressing, what that means is that you are changing your mind about your sinful life. You're changing your, your behaviors in regards to your sinful life. You're not going back to that old life that was bringing you hell. You're, you're leaving that life because you're a new creature. The Bible says that when you are in Christ, you're a new creature. So repent is, repentance is expected of you as a believer in Jesus. What's also expected of you is that you are going to make yourself a part of a church, that you're going to join together with the body of believers. The Bible calls believers sheep, and sheep are always in a sheepfold. Sheep are together, and they have a shepherd. And so the Bible 
what's expected of you is that you are going to make yourself a part of a sheepfold, part of a church. So make yourself a part of a church. I hope it's this church. You're more than welcome. We have other services, so I hope it's here. And another thing that's expected of you, we kind of touched on tonight, is that there's an expectation that you are going to serve, that you're going to serve the body. God has recreated you for a purpose. He has something for you to do. Maybe at work, maybe uh, at your home, uh, and most definitely here in the body of Christ. And so from this point forward, your responsibility, now that you are saved, now that you are going to heaven based on your faith, the expectation of you is that you're going to start to grow. The Bible says that new believers are babies. And so you've had a baby, obviously. When, when, you're, when, you're, when your daughter was a baby baby, what did you expect of her? Nothing, right? Just eat. Can you please just eat? I, and that stresses you out. I know it did because it stresses my wife out when she has a newborn. Is like, could you just eat, please? That's all that's expected of you right now. Eat. Get, know the word of God. Be taught the word of God. Read the word of God. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles here, okay? I'll give you one for free. But that's what's expected of you now, okay? It's a free gift of salvation. Praise the Lord. You're in heaven. Your, your, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You guys, let's, this is amazing. But now, now it's time to eat. Now it's time to grow. And now it's time to, to, to live in obedience to Jesus. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. God bless you. And uh, God bless you all. If, if, uh, let's, let's get into our time of worship and we have a little announcement after, after our closing worship.